0: Thank you for partnering with us in expressing this sacred story.
1: Good morning. morning. My name is Carrie Condor, and along with Sherry, Rachel, Tino, and Mike, I have the privilege of serving on your oversight team. Before I start, I just want to extend love to all of you on Father's Day, but I won't be talking about Father's Day this morning. Um, As you know, and as uh, Ben explained earlier, each summer we have the opportunity to speak to our beloved community and share more deeply about who we are and our heart for Pearl with the intention that you may know us more deeply. For those of you who don't know me, I grew up in Portland. I am an educator and administrator for college students pursuing a teaching career. I'm also a wife and partner to Andrew. And we are parents to a nine-year-old little girl, Natalie. I love yoga, being outdoors, and playing board games. Although my daughter will probably tell you my hobby is working. (laughs) Um, But please invite me to your game nights. That'll help, right? I'm trying hard to counter that. So Andrew and I found Pearl about 15 years ago. And we love this community. And we're grateful to grow with you and learn how to love each other more fully. Thankfully, Mike and Ben remind us, those on the board, that the goal of the oversight team is not to deliver a sermon. Rather, the goal is for our community to get a window into the lives and hearts of those who serve on the board. Today, I share some reflections with you on the pandemic and the challenges and comforts of integration at this time. One of Pearl's values is integration, and I'll read our definition that you can find on the website. It says, Jesus was present to every person and every moment, from the innocent to the unnoticed, from the wilderness to the cross. He knew that even the outcast, even shadows have a place. We therefore value embracing every person and engaging every moment, trusting that everything belongs. The phrase within that value statement that's sticking with me is embracing every moment, and engaging, I'm sorry, embracing every person and engaging every moment. It's been a wild ride of moments for our family over the past few years, and I'm sure you can relate to that as we've all navigated through unprecedented times. About eight months prior to the onset of the pandemic, we moved from the east side of Portland to Tigard in order to be close to family. We bought a big house in anticipation of a second child and also were excited with anticipation for Natalie to start kindergarten at a school with a bilingual program. About two weeks prior to our move, something happened that for me started the series of events that triggered years ahead of intense challenges and trials for me and my family. To be honest, it takes a lot of vulnerability for me to share about our pandemic story because I hold a lot of privilege and I have stability and networks and identities that um, afford a very comfortable life. And I feel guilty when I share about hardships knowing that others have it much harder. My therapist tells me while they might be true, my struggles are also very real. And rather than suppressing and harboring pain, I work to acknowledge it so that I can deal and heal. To this point in my life, Andrew has to remind me often to talk to him instead of holding things in. And prior to writing this reflection, I thought that I didn't really have much of a pandemic story, that things were smooth compared to others. While that might also be true, writing this reflection has also opened my eyes to how much I was suppressing during the past few years And this, in turn, is helpful with integration of those moments. Now back to my story. Two weeks prior to our move, I was pregnant and had passed that point in the second trimester where they say it's safe to share with others. So I shared the news. And I told the story two years ago during this talk, so I won't go into the details. But we lost that baby, tragically. We moved. And Natalie really struggled to adapt to our new neighborhood. Joyful anticipation of what it meant to move in next to cousins quickly turned into a bullying situation that was difficult to remedy. And that got so bad, she started telling me she didn't want to live anymore at six and seven years old. When the pandemic hit, kindergarten went online. And both Andrew and I were working from home, trying to juggle the new normal of parenting, working. Okay. I told Andrew to just, just have some tears. He did. Yeah. Um, the juggle in parenting, working, and guiding Natalie through the rest of kinder and first grade on an iPad in Spanish. Hoy sé hablar un poco de español, pero entonces sabía unas tres palabras. Means today I speak a little bit of Spanish, but back then I knew about three words. <laughs> I worked for Concordia University. And as many uh, many of you may remember, the university, university shockingly announced its closure in February of 2020 and closed at the end of the term. I went on unemployment, as many others lost their job or changed jobs during the pandemic. Soon after, I was hired at Linfield University. I started that job in August 2020. Natalie went to daycare as they were allowing educators and other essential workers to bring their children to daycare and Linfield held in-person classes that fall. Within two weeks, Natalie caught COVID. She was fine, but uh, this was before vaccines and it made us all very anxious. We pulled her out of daycare and we're all back juggling work and school at home. I was lucky to be able to access mental health care for myself and Natalie. Fast forward to January 2022, Andrew deployed to Qatar. I was lonely, scared, and exhausted. My mom came to help me, but unfortunately, she fell down our stairs and broke several bones and needed surgery. She couldn't help after that. My cat got attacked. This sounds like a country-western song, doesn't it? <laughs> like cat got attacked and also needed surgery, and then she started peeing all over the house and attacking me, so it's been a time. And although we are very much on the upside of healing as a family, the pandemic is not really over, and the struggles of many endure. I'm grateful for this community at Pearl. I know all of you can relate to the difficulties of living through the pandemic, And we all have our COVID stories, and it's not over. We call this unprecedented times, destabilizing. Lately, I've been trying to practice integration, my faith, daily responsibilities, the pull of work and parenting and being a good partner, practicing mindfulness and being in the moment, feeling all the feels, even the depths of the sad ones. Having an awareness of what is, practicing gratitude, and thinking less about doing things just to please others. Trying to say no as a way to say yes to myself and healthy life integration. Stabilizing. Understanding that everything belongs, and every person and every moment belongs. Whether this desire for a renewed, more focused integration is just a stage of a typical development for a 42-year-old woman, or an exa- it's been exaggerated by these unprecedented times, I'm not quite sure. Some recent articles and podcasts I've come across have piqued my interest further on integration, post-trauma, or destabilizing event. So I recently read an article in the Georgia State University research magazine called Two Years of Trauma. Its first sentence states, the COVID-19 pandemic has been the most traumatic collective event of our lifetime. And after two excruciating years and more than a million deaths in the US alone, it is still unclear when or if the pandemic will end. That uncertainty is one of many stressors along with worries about health, family, work, and finances, and that have taken significant toll on the mental health of us all. And that may have been living in, and that many call that living in sustained survival mode. As a former elementary and middle school teacher, and now teacher of people learning to become teachers, my attention naturally falls heavily on kids. For kids and adolescents, The pandemic and the disruptions it has produced have driven a mental health crisis. Suicide attempts have risen among young people under 18. The Centers for Disease Control and Prevention and a study of pediatric insurance claims have revealed a spike in mental health issues in children. In November 2021, the American Academy of Pediatrics, the American Academy of Child Adolescent Psychiatry, and, Children's Hospital Association went so far as to declare a national state of emergency for child and adolescent mental health. I have a long commute to work. I work in McMinnville, and thus have developed a regular NPR and OPB intake. I recently listened to a segment called Consider This, a closer look at the declining mental health of kids. Host Sarah McCammon shares, the US Surgeon General has called it an urgent public health crisis, a devastating decline in the mental health of kids across the country. Study after study have raised alarms about the many ways kids have been affected by the COVID-19 pandemic, from loneliness to depression and anxiety to faltering grades. And those who track the well-being of young people say problems were emerging before the pandemic. We've known for a while now that kids are not all right. The information is troubling, and lately there's been a lot of information. McCammon interviewed Lisa Damore, a psychologist and author of the book The Emotional Lives of Teenagers, Raising Connected, Capable, and Compassionate Adolescents. She talks about how important integration and connection are to the resiliency and healing of young people. All people, I think. She explains, it really matters that we take seriously adolescent mental health and their need for connection, their need for meaning, and their need to feel purposeful. Because that both will help them thrive in the short term, and it also helps create the kind of adults that we want in our society. The podcast got me wondering if my daughter felt purposeful. So I asked her. First, I explained I felt like I have found purpose in my life in activism through education. And she's familiar with these words as we talk about them a lot. But I explained further what I meant, and then I asked her what she thought her purpose was. Knowing, of course, that purpose is multifaceted and that she's nine, I anticipated she would have several ideas or none at all. After all, when, I, when had I realized my purpose? Middle age? She paused and thought for a bit. And I explained that sometimes clues to our purpose have a lot to do with where we find joy. She smiled and said, I think my purpose in life is to entertain. I said, tell me more. I love that phrase, using that with kids. It's great. Tell me more. She said that she loves to perform dance, to sing, and to create art to share. I said, yeah, you do. And those things all make life beautiful. She agreed, and she said, yes. My purpose is to create more beauty for the world. Oh, yeah, yeah. If you haven't already done so, connect with kids you know about their purpose. For Dr. Damore says that integration and connection um, to purpose, connection to purpose, is key to the resiliency and healing of young people as is connection with others. She stated, what we know is the single most powerful force for adolescent mental health is strong relationships with caring adults. And I think we need to really lean into that. We need to make sure that every teenager is connected to an adult who has their back, who really gets and cares for them. And so this is something we can all do. You don't have to be the parent. You can be the boss, or the mentor, or the neighbor, or the uncle who's making sure that they have created a working and powerful connection with a teenager in their life. And I think that we can find our way through. Our Pearl Youth Leaders, I see some of them sitting over here, um, do an amazing job creating powerful connections and integrating children and youth into the fabric of our community. I'm so appreciative of their efforts and the efforts of the volunteers who spend time with Pearl children and youth. Thank you so much. In addition to integration of relationships and purpose, I have also been uplifted recently when considering connections to our past, our ancestors, those who have gone before us. A piece on NPR's Up First caught my attention. The segment was showcasing a modern pianist, Laura Downs who recently released an album called Love at Last. She found a sense of purpose to heal and bring hope after loss, trauma, or tragedy through music, and produced the album offering 24 works by composers from around the world. What really caught my attention from this segment was when she started talking about our unprecedented times. Referring to the isolation of the pandemic, she says, The main impetus for my album was my awareness that when we kept talking about unprecedented times, that that wasn't actually true, that what we were experiencing or are experiencing was precedented, and this music was illustrating that. I found her words and her ideas behind her music to be very comforting and inspiring. Generations in every culture have gone through pandemics, diseases, Pandemics of fear, racism, violence, etc. The COVID pandemic may have been unprecedented for us here and now, but indeed precedented by humankind through cycles of history. Laura Downs shared that the oldest piece on the album is based on an 18th century composer, Johann Sebastian Bach's Sleepers Awake. Itself inspired by a hymn composed more than 100 years earlier by a pastor of a small German town uh, swept by the plague epidemic. Downs shares, it was really clear to me that I could take the, this music and show cycles of history, she says, the ins and outs of tragedy and chaos and the possibility always for new beginnings. The album's title comes from a poem by Shol Chernovatsky. Yes. yes, written in Odessa in 19, or 1894 shortly before the anti-Semitic violence in his native Ukraine, the Russian Revolution, and two world wars that he witnessed until his death in Jerusalem in 1943. The poem concludes, Let the time be dark with hatred, I believe in years beyond. Love at last shall bind all peoples in an everlasting bond. So here we are, sitting at Pearl sitting in what we hope to be the ending of a pandemic. Thank you to those of you who share your pandemic stories. And for those who may be ready to share, this community is here for you, the authentic you. Whatever the moment you are in and moments you've had both joyful and tragic, please tell me about your pandemic experience, no matter what it was or is like for you. Maybe you didn't struggle. That's okay. Maybe you're still deep in the trauma. That's okay to share too. For it is through connection and sharing our struggles and triumphs that lead to everlasting bonds with one another as we integrate healing, purpose, and love into our lives in this moment. Integration. We value embracing every person and engaging every moment, trusting that everything belongs. Integration today, as we consider the times we have all been through, may come in so many forms. Feeling as if we've been in the shadows and in the wilderness, integration of the effects of the pandemic with new struggles, unexpected life situations, and yearning to move forward. What's our new normal, our new ordinary world? I love how Ben encouraged us a few weeks ago to welcome the divine into the textures of our ordinary world. Perhaps integration comes in the form of a renewed sense of purpose, or maybe it's steadfast. What is my why in this moment, in the ordinary, in the extraordinary? And how is this integrated into my life? Maybe it's varied, maybe it's constant. Whatever the why, we know that understanding a sense of purpose helps with improvements in mental health, building connection with others, and a sense of belonging. I've asked Ben to play a track from Laura Downs' Love at Last album, to pause and consider the unprecedented times and ways that purpose, your why, connection and love, integrate now for ourselves and for our community. And if you aren't sure of your why, I invite you to consider what brings you joy, or what you're doing when you realize a bunch of time has passed and you didn't even realize it. There's clues there. So go ahead and play a clip from her album. Thank you. Excuse me. Down's intention for her music is that it communicates the ins and outs of tragedy and chaos and the possibility always for new beginnings. I'd like to share Shal Chernikovsky's 1894 poem with you as I wrap this up. A side note. I have to say it. Although I'm tempted to change his use of word to, of man to person, I will stay true to his original words in his poem. After all, the antiquity of the language is another reminder of precedented times and resiliency that reemerges time and again. Oh, here we go. Laugh at all my dreams, my dearest. Laugh, and I repeat anew that I still believe in man, and I still believe in you. Let the time be dark with hatred, I believe in years beyond. Love at last shall bind the peoples in everlasting bond. And I conclude with 1 Corinthians thirteen eight. Love never ends. As for prophecies, they will pass away. As for tongues, they will cease. As for knowledge, it will pass away. Love never ends. Let us pray. Divine love, thank you for your integration into the fabric of our lives as they are ever changing. You are there as we strive for embracing every person and engaging every moment, both joyful and tragic. We each have a purpose. We may share that with one another. May we share that with one another, encourage one another, and remember the possibility always for new beginnings. For in and with your divine love flourishes everlasting bonds. Amen.
0: We hope that this sermon inspired you to ponder the sacred, to consider the mystery and love of God, and to live bountifully. If you don't already support our work, will you begin today? You can donate easily and securely at our website, pearlchurch.org, or follow the link in the podcast notes. Thank you for partnering with us in expressing this sacred story.